Hello, this is Jesse Liberty, and this is yet another podcast. Today, I'm pleased to have Mark Price. He's a former Microsoft certified trainer and a current Microsoft specialist in C Sharp. Mark has more than 30 years of educational and programming experience. Since 2015, he has written seven editions of his best-selling book about C Sharp and .NET. The latest is titled C Sharp 11 and .NET 7, Modern Cross-Platform Development Fundamental. Mark has also written a companion book titled Apps and Services with .NET 7. These are two really big books. Mark, welcome. And I can't start without asking how you possibly wrote such big books in record time. Thank you, Jesse. Um, I'm excited to be back on your podcast. Uh, we've chatted before, um, so it's really nice to uh, catch up again with yourself because uh, in, in my past, I've always learned a lot of your books, so it's it's always um, a thrill to be on. Great um, start. But- I think we can just stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, job done. Um, right, yes, yeah, so to answer your question, um, I a couple of years ago, actually, to, to take a step back, um, I was... Uh, with my full-time employer at the time, I asked to go to a four-day. And so for the past couple of editions, the past couple of years, I've been dedicating two days a week, Friday and Saturday, to writing one book. And that's how I was able to keep up to date with all the recent chain modern. Um, and then this year, because I knew that I wanted to write two books, um, I actually decided to take risk and quit employment. And so now I'm a full-time 100% spent writing books. And that's how I was get a second book available. And um, as you mentioned, they're both very thick books, over 800 pages each. And that's because there is so much to learn these days about modern .NET. Uh, .NET 7, there's so a lot of features. I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm more astounded by the size and how comprehensive these books are than the fact that you were able to quit your job and make a living in an industry that has been struggling to bring in enough in the face of all the information that's out on the net. So your books must be... Uh, 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 uniquely successful. I yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't have anything to compare to, us, but um, apart from my own initial experience, so I can tell you that the first three editions, starting 2006, started writing. Um, the first three editions sold well enough to have a little bit of extra money to be able to say upgrade first year, worry, but nothing beyond that. It was really with the fourth edition on that really seemed to reach that quality level thing uh, and really fit what people were looking for. In a um, that it, it started to take off well. It's only with seven this uh, or two, 2022, I'm told that out, but we're currently December. Two, um, so it was only this year that I was able to save up enough to be able to take that risk because I really wanted to have that to have the time to write a pair of books that really complement, cover all the topics that I want uh, rather than just having one. And I'm really glad that I took that risk. We'll see whether it pan out. Might that I'm going to give it a year until I release the next two editions in November. Um, so, yes, for those who are thinking, well, I'd rather wait for a long-term support uh, edition of books. Yes, there will be .NET 8 editions of both the C-Sharp netbook and the apps and services. And rather wait. I mean, obviously, I, I hope that people will buy them now as well as benefits November. Um, but if you, uh, we're all struggling a bit economy at the moment, so I'm not used to refer to it. So yeah, I'd like to be transparent with all my readers. Yes, there will be us. Can you talk for a moment about the difference between the two books? The first one, C-Sharp 11 and .NET 7, 
I assume is focused mostly on the language. But let's talk a little bit about the two books and what they each cover. Yes, you're right, Jesse. The first book, and so the C Sharp 11.NET 7 book, I considered first. You could even call it a volume um, because I have tried to make sure that there's not too much overlap between books. Um, that is the one that I reckon starting with. And yes, you're right. It's going to focus primarily on language and the live. So the C Sharp language, all of the words and how to uh, do object-oriented programming and write functions, some basic bugging unit testing, that thing, first six chapters. And then the next section, primarily on .NET libraries, the most important classes, for example, within class libraries, things like work fastest, um, using uh, EF Core to work databases, um, doing things like regular expression, collections, serialization, yeah, lots of file, uh, things like that. So those are some core component libraries. But I also want that first book to be somewhat practical well. So the third and final part of that book is an introduction to the fundamentals of ASP.NET Core development, which is for web development. So there is a chapter on Razor Pages, easy way of getting into web development, and that includes building a static, serving static H well, a bit on MVC, the model of controller way of using ASP.NET Core, and building services, as well as even Blazor, because I think Blazor is such a cool technique. Lots of people want to get into it and at least kind of see what that's all about. So by the end of that first book, cover the land, cover the mo- and you've been introduced to the fund of web development well. And that then leads nicely into this new book, this companion apps and services. And as the name suggests, it's all about then building more practical applications, uh, all the different service technologies from uh, minimal APIs, which is a simpler way of building kind of classic REST or HTTPIs through uh, more efficient uh, technologies for building microservices with gRPC, the Google-based technology, for really efficient microservices, things like SignalR for real-time broadcast type application, and even technologies like GraphQL. It was originally developed by Facebook, then they sort of sourced that, and so it's a .NET GraphQL. Um, and even some slightly older technologies like ODATA. So there's lots of different technologies for working with services, and what a, a good .NET de- developer really needs is to be able to see some practical examples of all of those in use and guidance in where they where they are most useful. Where things then get a little bit trickier to give clear guidance is when you're building graphical user interfaces. Um, because as I think most um, Microsoft-aware developers know, um, Microsoft has been very good in the past about creating platform frameworks for building Windows desktop apps from 20 years ago with Form through uh, WPF, Tation Foundation, like Universal uh, App. Um, and to the more cross-platform way of doing things with things like Blazor and the the very .maui uh, multi-platform app. And so that, that becomes a little bit clear because it's, um, I mean, I wouldn't want to say, it, it, it's a bit messy. It's not a clean way of saying, well, definitely use Blazor in all situations, def.maui, um, particularly if you're interested in, say, trying to Linux uh, GUI, because unfortunately MAUI doesn't, although .NET 7 itself, Lang Live does support console app, web applications, websites, and services, all of that works across both Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. If you're building a graphical user interface, then MAUI not support, and Microsoft pretty much said they're going to leave that open to uh, third parties and open source developers gap. What Microsoft supplied their platform MAUI is support for Windows desktop, for iOS and iPhone, iPad, Android, both phone, tab, tablet, and uh, Mac OS. So it's really Windows and Mac, the desktop, and iPhone mobile developer. Yeah, certainly at the moment there. So yeah, to go back, so the two books, they work really well together. The apps and services follows on from. How much does your book dive into MAUI, given what you just said? There are two chapters 
in the current edition, the seventh, first edition, AppServe.net 7. Um, and so it, that's enough to kind of cover, it's over 100 pages. Um, I haven't counted, actually. I think probably close to one hour. And so it covers a really quick introduction to XAML, the XAML, the app there, for extensible application markup language. That's the same XAML-type language that's in WPF and in Silverlight and Wversal, Windows Platform apps. Um, so that's been around since 2005, that XAML finding the markup. Um, so we, we introduced that. Uh, then I go into all the common trolls and the way to uh, navigate around a MAUI app and then go into some of the newer uh, support for things like uh, desktop applications because, of course, unlike a mobile app, um, you need to support things like menus uh, and integration with the platform, like to toast pop-up notifications. Um, now, those two chapters, so it, it does introduce you to all the fundamental to the point where I hope that a .NET developer, if they decide, yes, um, this is going to be suitable for me, for the type of application that I want to build, uh, rather than, say, maybe trying to go more web development blazer, learnt enough to choose, I want to use MAUI, and then you could either look at the official documentation deeper, or maybe buy another book. Um, I think these days, anyone who's um, really wants to get serious about kind of .NET development, or any kind of programming, IT, they typically do buy multiple books. And I think that's really good because it does uh, give you that variety, different authors, different technologies. And so what I try to do with both of them um, is to give you enough of the concepts and start to build a practical um, implementation of the service technology or app like in Maui so that you can then make it about what you're going to invest. Because I think one of the tricky things, uh, any large ecosystem like that is just knowing where to start. Um, and so you could very easily buy a dozen books on all the different types of service and all the different types of apps, but then you end up uh, barely reading the first chapter. So my idea was why not take those first chapters for all of the different, put them all into that one app. So that's why the titles are generic. Yes, multiple different typing apps, many, many different ways of building services, but you'll learn enough to then make a good sense of decision about what you, and hopefully you'll be confident enough. You'll have seen some actual code running. You'll, you'll really see some of those benefits um, so that you could just use the free documentation rather than have. But, but I do recommend Look at some of the other authors uh, who can then write a bit special. You, you, you. As long as I learn at least say three or four really useful things about a technology from a book, I think that. I want to get into some of the details about C Sharp 11 with you, but first I'm going to ask you. I, I have a uh, non-trivial demonstration program that is on the client side, but that needs a back end to have the client talk to, get information from, and uh, you can imagine that there's a second user who's also writing to that back end and we're exchanging information. Would your book be a good resource for figuring out how to write that back end and have Maui talk to it? Yes, um, because you do get to, I'm just trying to remember now specifically what, I think it's just a, uh, a kind of web API as the back end service for the specific examples that I use with .NET Maui. Um, but because in the earlier chapters when I'm uh, showing you how to implement various different services, I do show both uh, if it's a web-oriented technology that might use, say, JavaScript, uh, calling a, making HTTPs, um, I will show how to use the JavaScript as a client as well as .NET, as a, uh, typically using a simple console application as the client to the server. And so everything that you could do in a .NET client you can also do .NET MAUI. So you could then uh, take the uh, example code you've learned in the 
chat this about, say, C or for signal R, and just copy and paste that code out, and that's fine. Uh, one of the things that I'm trying to kind of survey my readers about, and I'm really going to be interested in hearing feedback from any of read of the the second handbook, app service, is what they want to see in a second, um, because it's over the next six to nine months that I'm writing that second. And although it's already getting good reviews on Amazon, um, I'm very very open, particularly now, to uh, hearing what readers want really want to know. So um, even if it's a case of it might not be in the second edition print book, but if it's really important to readers to then see an actual .NET MAUI client calling all of the different types of service on the back end, that's something that I could put in the GitHub repository for the second edition and just have a, a short pointer to that in the uh, in the book. Um, one of the, just as a slight aside, the very last chapter of the apps and service, chapter 20, is a, um, a challenge to the, and so what I fairly short chapter, but one of the challenges that .NET developers have when they're learning that is is having a real world project to actually work on to practice their skill. And if you're employed in an enterprise type environment, you might be working on .NET projects in a particular area, but it's unlikely to then, then cover all of the different types of service and all the different types of app create. So it might be a bit frustrating not at practicing this in the world. Um, so I was trying to think of the type A type project that could potentially cover all the different and so the idea that I came up with is a uh, survey, survey type or polling type software. So you might want to have a website or some kind of app that allows you to find a set of questions in different formats, like multiple choice, what, selecting one out of many, or checkboxes, uh, ordering a list, priority, rich text typing in, uh, click a map, all these different types of things that either a survey type software or a live polling type of software, um, or even a kind of um, quiz type type. Um, and the nice thing about that is that you it could be a combination of different services, um, the analytics for that, showing a port at the end, graph arts, various different interactive opponent build. So it has a nice variety, almost in um, supply of ideas for the different visual components. So you've got the front end, iPrac, as well as the back end service, and of course, in data storage, whether it would be better store, store like server or cloud-based NoS type. Um, and so in that chapter, um, I describe a, uh, give a kind of product, uh, product definition, suggest some things that would be in a minimally viable product if you were to implement that, as well as a lot of extension do. And what I'm going to be doing myself is uh, producing a solution to that. Um, and I think that really helped, particularly with the second edition, if you've got that type, type of thing to... Uh, so if I'm being really ambitious, what I would maybe do is have a .NET MAUI app uh, on the mobile phone, example, desktop, cross-platform, both. But that can be pulling the data from a service and kind of just swap out what the service app using in order to illustrate that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, hopefully some of the readers who are written ambitious also have a go at that. And, um, that's a really great thing then discuss in, in forum. And actually, that's something that I really want to highlight to all my readers is come and join me and other readers on the Discord channel. My publisher, Pact, um, manages those channels. Uh, they're Depending on the book, most of their books now have their own dedicated channels. So you can join, ask questions, talk to the actual authors, talk to other readers. And I've been very pleased over the last 
uh, three or four months. Uh, already the older editions were quite uh, active for the C Sharp and .NET channel um, and um, started to get more people asking questions the apps and services C11. So yeah, come and join us there and discuss things like what you'd like to see. Sorry, that's quite a long <laughs> rambling answer there. I hope you'll be no, able to cut great. that down in the edit. No, no, it was great. Uh, let's turn our attention to C Sharp for a moment. And my theory is that there are uh, two types of C Sharp developers at this point with respect to the uh, C Sharp 11. That is those who were up to speed on C Sharp 10 and are now interested in what C Sharp 11 has done. And then another group, and I don't know whether it's bigger or smaller, of people who more or less are proficient in, say, C Sharp 6 or 7 and are beginning to feel a bit left behind as the language evolves so quickly. Uh, so perhaps we can speak to both of those when we talk about the new features in C Sharp 11. Yes, I, I agree with you. I think there are probably are a couple of audiences. Um, in fact, there was a uh, someone tweeted and kind of was asking for feedback about uh, how many people were working on projects on the older dot framework, how many people were already working on like modern.net, so that came dot core, say those dot five, six, seven, whether things like long-term support or the new standard term support, 18 months, is that important to you? And that type of thing. And so it from, from the responses that that tweet got, does seem as if there is still a lot of real world projects which are actively running the old.NET framework, um, even going back to those like um, some of those are then starting to work, migrate those projects. Those objects. Uh, they might have already migrated it to .NET Core 1, uh, or more likely they're trying to jump immediate .6. So .NET 6 is now just over a year old, but it is what's called a long-term support release. That means that it's going to guarantee supported by Microsoft three years. So for, for now, at the end of 22, it's still going to get support, whereas .NET 7 released November months ago now. Um, that is a what used to be called a current release, but is now renamed to a standard support. Uh, that only has eight months official support, which means that .NET 7 will reach its end of life in May 2024, whereas .NET 6 will last another six until November. Um, so there are a lot of particular enterprise customers who have decided that they won't go to 7. That's the latest. It does have lots of good benefit-like performance and some of the C11. Um, instead, they're going to stick with the .6 because it has support. And, and so if you're going to have to continue to target .NET 6 uh, for the majority of your uh, projects, then it then raises the question about, well, it's a shame can't you new start in .NET 7? And um, maybe we might have learnt up to C Sharp 10. There's that audience, as you're, as you're mentioning. They are already kind of up to date C10 .NET 6 features. Um, they're just missing what in .7. I suspect that half of those probably are, are saying to themselves, well, I'm interested. Mean, Interested. I've heard a few rumors about C11, but my business, we're not going to upgrade to it. We'll wait for .8 next year, and two, three. Um, and so there's no point learning this thing anyway. Now, I would point out to those uh, developers that you can safely install both .NET 6 and .NET 7 SDKs on your developer. And that means that you could create a new project that can use the .NET 7 SDK and its C Sharp 11 compiler, but the project can still target .NET 6. And that allows you to use the new features in the C Sharp 11 pilot, for example, uh, raw, raw little str raw strings rules, 
is really handy. Just makes it really clean and easy to define content of a string without having to worry about special characters. Um, you just use two or more quotes to start and end the string. Um, and so it makes it really easy to copy and paste, say, some XML or some JSON. Just uh, paste it between, uh, say, three double quotes and end. Uh, you can set the location it's going to use. Well, uh, that is one of the nicest in C Sharp 11. So you can use that kind of feature because ultimately all you're doing is using that new feed piler, but the end result is still going to be a .NET 6 targeting assembly. And so you can just deploy that onto your server that has the latest .NET 6 runtime, and you've got kind of the best of both. There are some features of C Sharp 11, though, that actually are tightly bound to a class in the .NET 7 library. And so that means even though it might look like a C Sharp 11 keyword, therefore own a compiler, actually, if you're targeting, say, .NET 6 in that project, you'll get a error warning you that that can't. And the canonical example that I'd like to give for that is the new required keyword. So um, if you imagine that you've got a simple uh, class that's using model some data, uh, an employee record, for example, you may have some properties on that class that you want to make sure are set. Now, back in the older versions of C Sharp, you would have created a non-default construct, i.e. construct parameters, uh, and just not created a empty construct, default construct. And that would force the developer using class to all that constructor, pass in the parameters, set those properties have been set. Prop that's how you basically wired proper part. Now, in C Sharp 11, there is a new keyword just called wired. So instead of having to mess around by manually creating constructors, you can simply decorate the prop you want to be set with. Now that, to uh, us just looking at code, looks like all they've done is introduce a new C keyword. And if you're targeting .NET 7, it just and you'll just get compile errors if you try to instantiate an instance of that, not set that, say, initialization, uh, curly bracket, compiler force. But if you then try and use this trick talked about where you're using the best of both, where you're trying to the C Sharp 11 compiler, target 6, the compiler is smart enough to say, I can't do that. Because internally, what the compiler is having to do when you decorate property required is that's actually then having to internally decorate that, those prop with special attributes, which only exist in dot seven, and therefore it says sorry to actually that. So one of the things that I uh, didn't have time to do in print books, but which I want to do as a free on article GitHub, is to actually kind of create a matrix to show a list of which C Sharp 11 features you can use, even if you're targeting older versions of .NET, and which ones actually require .NET 7. And I think that's going to be really useful. So required, you have to not only use 11 pilot, but also target 7, whereas things like raw string literals, you can use that and target, say, .NET standard 2, which would still work with .NET framework. Um, but just having that list, that matrix. I think oh, yes, I want that matrix. And, and when <laughs> it's ready, please let me know, because <laughs> that would be very, very useful for us. Um, <clears throat> where it, It's clear to me, even before I go to my next question, that I'm going to ask if you would be willing to come back for part two of this, because we barely scratched the surface on what's new in C Sharp 11. I have quite a few questions on that. And uh, just to give a, uh, a preview, uh, if I can talk you into that, I think that we want to talk about uh, C Sharp 11 new features and which of them are useful. And then yes. we may want to talk some about C Sharp 11 and some of the upgrade to ancillary services 
services like um, EF Core, um, yes. and and uh, then sort of overarching questions about building these two books and keeping them current. So there's quite a bit to talk about. Why don't we focus in for now on what is new in C Sharp 11 or 10 slash 11 that you find particularly? Okay, yes. So my personal favorite feature in C Sharp 11 uh, is the raw strings. So in the past, even from the very first version of C Sharp 20 years ago, you've always been able to use just double quote characters to indicate the beginning. And if you're just typing, say, a plain text uh, sentence, that's all nice. And but once you start getting into, if that string represents, for example, a file path with backslash, um, or if that string represents some XML or some JSON or some other uh, structured format, then it can get tricky. Because when you're just defining a string using double quotes at the beginning and end, you also need to be able to represent other special characters like a tab or a new line uh, or a line break, that thing. And so backslashes, unless you do anything else, a backslash actually escaped uh, escape in order to find some special character. So even since C Sharp 1, you've had the ability to switch off that by prefixing some. Um, and so since the beginning of C Sharp, you've had these various different techniques to uh, represent the app characters within the string. And, some are, and they can sometimes get messy. And so I, it's, it's a shame it's taken this long, but in C Sharp 11, if you use, say, three double quotes at the beginning of the string, then you can just copy and paste any textual representation and then do another three double quotes at the end. And you can choose how much you want to indent that value uh, by indenting the final three double quotes. And it will then remove that level of tension. So you can clean indent just for reading code and you control whether those indentations are part of the string character. You can even then also combine that with string interpolation, uh, string interpolation expression. So can't what version of use was it seen? Anyway, within your string, you can use curly braces to indicate an expression live and then the result of that expression data string. And that's a really nice um, Now, if you're trying to represent some J some JavaScript object JSON, um, then it's going to get fused between, well, is that curly brace the beginning of a uh, string interpolation expression, or is that curly brace your brace within the JSON? And so if you're using this new raw string literal syntax, then you can also uh, prefix the quotes, say the three double quotes, with a number of dollar signs. So I could add in $2, and that would mean that you see $2 to open curly, then that indicates a expression that should be executed rather than the at current. And if you say, well, actually, I already need to have two curly braces, um, and that just should interpret it as two curly braces, then use $3, $4, $5. So it's a really simple idea, this idea of having multiple double quote characters, multiple dollar characters, um, and you can represent anything in a really clean, easy to understand. And that, that's fantastic. A somewhat related feature to that is just simply being able to put a new line carriage return in the middle of one of those curly brace string interpolation expression. In fact, this is something I, I hadn't even really thought about in the past. It didn't work. Um, if you've just got a very short string and in the middle you've got a pair of curly braces and some expression there, one plus two X, um, if it's a very short expression, you probably haven't tried to press carriage return or do a new line in the middle of that expression. But what you'll find you're using C sharp 10 or earlier, the compiler plane. And so if you've got a fairly long expression within the braces, then it's 
got to stay all on that. And horizontal space, particularly for a book writer, is really valuable um, because we have to fit within the print page. So these kind of features are really useful tickers, but just for any developer who is trying to type in long, complex expression within their string interpret expression, being able to now do a carriage return, spread it out, uh, and the compiler just says, okay, yep, handle that, as it should be able to, because you do that outside of a uh, string interpolation expression, you're just typing in a regular C-sharp expression anywhere else in code, it works, put you like. Um, so now in C-sharp 11, do it right your string. So those, those two are... Um, now, there are some new features in C-sharp 11 which are very cool and interesting, like generic math support. Uh, what that means is that the, uh, the .NET libraries now have dozens and dozens of new interfaces that represent the capabilities that numbers should have if you're trying to perform arithmetic on numbers, um, like just being able to reset zero, be able to add two numbers together, multiply two numbers. So all of that, we've always had these basic uh, operators, like subtract. Uh, that's been in the language since the beginning. But we now have some formal interfaces that a type can therefore implement in order to add that out. And because it's now kind of formalized, it allows developers to define their own number types. Now, that very advanced type almost no dot developer type of number, you know, doubles and ints, a big number, uh, various complex complex number, things like that. It's already in the language and in the library. So it would be very, very, very unlikely dot developer write business app. You need to literally define your own special type number that. But because it has now been kind of broken out, formalized using this composite math, um, it does allow, say, a library writer who maybe need to do that to act now part of C-sharp11.net7. Um, I mentioned the required keyword. Um, I think that will just be that's kind of a refinement you can just use constructors to control whether take property field within has been set stick required is a nice cleaner way of doing it um microsoft since about c sharp version 6 has been adding more and more functional programming type um, capabilities to c sharp uh, particular various ways of doing pattern matching and uh, so one of the new things in c sharp 11 related to pattern matching is list pattern so if you've got a collection or an array um, then you can write a very clean, say, a switch expression, which then matches on, is it an empty array or does it only have one item? Does it have at least three items? They're these specific values. And it's a very nice, succinct way of doing pattern match against list type instruction. Um, there's, there's a lot to say about pattern matching. And uh, I think in, in, in part two of our conversation, I'd like to dive a bit deeper into pattern matching. It, it's um, First of all, it's relatively new. Uh, it's been, been added to over the last few version sharp but in my experience there are an awful lot of c-sharp developers who really have not yet gotten their head around it uh, both in terms of how to do it but more importantly when to so that's that's a conversation i would look forward to having about where patterns fit into day-to-day -day programs uh, i didn't mean to interrupt your your discussion of all the new features in, in 11 but i wanted to lay down a bookmark of that absolutely yes i would uh, love to have that discussion with you in the next up and in fact that kind of fits in quite neat because i'd kind of got to the end of my list off the top of my head best or I think the most practical maybe new feature in C sharp 11 those are the ones that I list um, there are more but they tend to be all um, but yeah pattern matching I 100% agree so yes I think it was C sharp 6 where Microsoft first started to add in more of those kind of pattern match programs um, but every since ever sure probably 12 might expand abilities and 
Um, in the current edition of the app and services, because I recognize that some of my readers may, if they're already up to, say, C-sharp N, quite comfortable with that, maybe they bought the 6 uh, so they see these two new books that come. Should they buy the C-11 with those books? I'd recommend, hey, you've learned enough. You could just go to the Microsoft official documentation, search for uh, what's new in C-11, and just read through Microsoft's article. Uh, don't really buy just for that. Read. Um, and instead, what I did in the app service uh, seven new book is in the first chapter, I've got a section about what's new with modern C. And so I've tried to summarize since uh, Sharp 8 on what were the new feet were added. So I've listed, added a lot of the pattern map tech well. Now, what I, in this first event, it's very... Uh, timeline based or just what was in .NET 6 and .NET 7, what's in .NET and .NET. Whereas one of the things that I'm already 90% sure to do next is that I want to rewrite that chapter and make it more fee-based. So there will be a set on pattern map and it will cover all of the new features from C-sharp 6 up to C-sharp 12 in a much more cohesive way. So now, I think now at this point where there's enough feet that have been added all over all of those versions, that rather than saying what was in 6 and 7 and 8, Better just to talk about it in a much more uh, high-level theme of everything about pattern map. Like you say, when would you use? Why is it better? Um, and and maybe just have a note of which version was that. And so if someone is perhaps limited to only using up to C10, no, would will. And that also allows me to do other things like null, null hand, because you've got the basics of the concept of nulls, reference type paired to value type, uh, going back to very early versions. But then in C sharp eight, when Microsoft then added in the major changes to hand doing null warning and so again, added a small improvement that over every, really, I think now at that point where almost all of the .NET 7 libraries have properly annotated, uh, more and more third-party libraries, develop a bit more aware of it. Now's the time to write a section that kind of looks at null handling holistic and just has a, by the way, this was then. Do you think that makes sense, Jesse? Well, I think that makes tremendous sense. And um, beginning to really look forward to the second edition uh, already, um, I have worked my way through almost entirely book one that is C-sharp 11 and .NET 7. Right. I confess to uh, barely scratch the surface on your second volume, but you have uh, piqued my interest tremendously. So I will be looking at that and looking forward to the next edition where you flesh out some of the, uh, and bring together some of the features such as pattern. I, I have uh, Bill Wagner from Microsoft coming uh, very soon on to be another podcast, and we'll be discussing some of that evolution there as well. Good compliment to our... Excellent, excellent. I'll look forward to that, yes. Well, I can't thank you enough. This has been uh, tremendously informative, and uh, the, the scope and breadth of your knowledge is, is awesome, and uh, I'm hoping that we will be able to do part two of this very soon. Yes, me too. I'm excited to chat again and go into the bit. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me, Jesse. Well, thank you. I'm I'm going to uh, bring this part one now, we'll call it, to a, to a close and look forward to part. Excellent. Thank you very much.